0: Welcome to the Enhanced Living Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Krueger. I believe that we all have within us the power to be everything that we were meant to be and so much more. This show is a weekly dose of practical and spiritual principles, strategies, tips, and ideas to help you grow into the best version of yourself. Here's to becoming exactly who you were meant to become. I've been called a human Swiss army knife because I'm a TV host, inspirational speaker and coach live event MC and DJ, certified yoga and Ayurveda teacher, functional fitness enthusiast, author, husband, and dad with a voracious appetite for knowledge. And I'll be sharing real talks with successful people from all walks of life, spiritual teachers and masters, and experts in many different fields. I'll also share my own perspective that I've gained from over 20 years of diligent meditation and spiritual work so we can all experience enhanced living. Are you ready to evolve? Let's do this. Welcome back to another episode of Enhanced Living. So if you've been listening for a while, then you know that Enhanced Living is sometimes about challenging everything that we thought we knew about ourselves to come to a better place, a better understanding of how we can move forward in life in in our best way possible. It's all about evolving to the best that we can be on a daily basis. Now, on today's show, I have someone who has been faced with that i I think more than once and she is a phenomenal human being she has a book out right now called found in transition a mother's evolution during her child's gender change she is a pediatrician she is inspiring as all get out right now i would love for you to please welcome to the show dr paria hasuri i'm so excited to have you here thank you for being with me today
1: Thank you so much for having me. What an introduction. I hope I live up to, to, to all of that that you listed there. Thank you.
0: Well, I'll tell you if, if you know what I've read so far in your book is any indication you have exceeded what I have just said. So let' let's let's, uh, let's dive right in real quick. So you became a pediatrician. I believe at the same time you became a mom, right? Yes. Did you always know you wanted to go into pediatrics?
1: I actually wasn't even certain that I wanted to do medicine. I think, you know, I I came, you know, my parents were immigrants and I think uh, with a lot of immigrant families, particularly a lot of like Middle Eastern and Asian immigrant families, there's a push towards be, like professional paths because that's considered sort of like a sure path to you know, making it and, and success and financial security. And so it was sort of kind of always assumed you're going to become a you know doctor or lawyer or an engineer. It was, it was sort of what was out there. And I have two sisters and my older sister and I are closer in age. And she was always very strong reader and writer. And, you know, it was sort of like, okay, so she's going to do law and I'm good in science. And I, I never knew that I might even have a little bit of a creative side to me but i always liked science so i was like okay well i'm good at biology so i guess i'll be a doctor and i really hadn't thought about pediatrics at all and i didn't really feel like i chose medicine but once i went to medical school and i started rotating through different specialties i absolutely chose pediatrics and pediatrics you know chose me i just was very clear within three days of my pediatric rotation that I wanted to work with children, be with children, and that I wanted my, really almost more importantly, that I wanted my colleagues to be people who work with children because people who work with children are a whole nother kind of breed of people, I guess, you know, you would say. So, so that really didn't happen until I was well into medical school and it was, Maybe the first time I felt that I really made an active decision about what I wanted to be.
0: That's so interesting because in your book, you say that you knew from a very young age that you wanted to be a mom. That was like a huge thing in your life. And so I was curious if if that kind of factored into it. I can totally relate to that. I I don't know of other guys out there. And if there are, and if you want to reach out to me so we can form some kind of support group, that would be amazing. But at eight years old, and I've talked about this on the show, I knew at eight years old that I wanted to get married and have a family and I wanted to be a dad. And I knew that at the age of eight. And so I can definitely relate to that. I I thought that maybe that desire to be a mom kind of translated to the professional side. And so it's just, it it, it kind of just sort of fell into place all at the same time for you.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, really at the same time. And so I had I got pregnant with my first in my last year of pediatric residency and graduated pediatric residency with a ten-month-old baby.
0: So, yeah, that's amazing. That's that's by the way. That's I mean, for anyone who's not a parent, I think just becoming a parent uh, full time, and I think it's even even heavier on on moms, especially especially with a two-income family. Just becoming a parent is insane. So being a finishing a residency and becoming an actual professional while having a child. I mean, what was that like? Because I mean, that must've been, that must've been bananas.
1: I think it was really hard. I was 28 years old. I think sometimes when you're younger, you know, I had a lot more energy when I was when I was 28. So I think sometimes when you're younger and you're thrown into things, you just, you do them without really thinking about it. And you, you know, I could definitely not go back and do residency right now and be a new mom. You know, it would be too much, but it was always clear to me, like like you said, that I knew I wanted to be a mom from for as long as I can remember. And so it was always like, okay, I'm going to be a mom primary, and then I'm going to be a doctor on the side because that's what I'm supposed to, you know, do. But who I really am is is a mother, mm-hmm. and I think that will always be how I identify the most. And like now when I think back, I think, gosh, that was really hard. I didn't, you know, how did I do that? How did I have calls at night and not sleep and come home and nurse a baby? I think it was just, I was 28. (laughs) I don't really have a better explanation for how I got through it.
0: That, I mean, it's, it's, first of all, it's, it's amazing because, you know, you, you look back on stuff like that or you just think about, about that. Not everyone's built that way. A lot of people are not willing to do what it takes to get things done. And I know that you, because you, you wrote about this in your book as well, that you were bullied as a child and you had, it, you had a, a rough time. So you've, you've had to overcome adversity through not fitting in. And then and then adversity through making everything work on no sleep and, and getting it all done. Do you think those two are related? Would you say that what you had to overcome as a child had kind of steeled your resolve for overcoming difficulties later in life?
1: I think that what I went through as a child has impacted everything I've done for my entire life. I, I Basically, I was born here, but then we moved to Iran and then we moved back when I was in fifth grade. And so the year in fifth grade i was bullied most days while while i was at school and then sixth grade we moved and that ended but i think that one year of fifth grade has pretty much impacted almost every decision i've made it really impacted my whole life and i think how it sort of maybe impacted me the most. And I talk about this in in a chapter in the book about Thanksgiving is that I I sort of early on started imagining living in the future and imagining a future for myself in which I thought this is temporary, but as an adult, I'm going to have this, you know, I'm going to create a family. I'm going to be successful. I'm going to live where I'm more comfortable and so I had very singular focus in that way. And I think that all stemmed from that year of sort of being bullied and, and and not fitting in. And it just gave me a drive and a focus about what I wanted, how I wanted my future
0: to be. It's interesting because a lot of us do have that that thought of, you know, we look ahead and we see ourselves a certain way and we see our families a certain way and we have these expectations that, seldom play out exactly how we expect them to. And, and so that's kind of what I'm talking about. When we talk about enhanced living and we talk about becoming the best version of yourself, oftentimes we find ourselves in a place where, wow, things didn't really work out the way I had expected. And some people look at that as a total curse and they, 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 they go off on this negative tangent and and they go down this crazy hole while others look at it as a blessing and they thrive from it and they springboard that into becoming literally the best version of themselves now i feel that for you you've taken that second path which is you've you've really springboarded but it's hard to kind of you know do that in the moment can we talk about that a little bit because you just said that you had this projection of your life and how it was going to go and it didn't it sort of turned out the way you wanted, but also a little differently, right? So, can we can we talk about that? And I'm spe- speaking specifically with respect to your daughter, and mm-hmm. and the transition and how that came out and what spurred the book. And let's get into that a little bit.
1: Well, I think a couple different things. So, one is that I was on this path of okay, I'm going to have kids, finish residency, get my job. You know, move to. I wanted to move to Los Angeles. I'm going to move to Los Angeles. I, mean, I had this sort of outline for myself. And I did all of that without taking any time off our time to really explore anything else. And one consequence of that is that I never really explored a creative side to myself. So I wasn't, in, in essence, I wasn't really living fully, even though I was sort of checking off all the boxes that I had wanted. And so a few years before my daughter came out, I did sort of start Figuring out, okay, what more do I want? And I started running and doing yoga and doing a little bit of writing and sort of trying to become a little better ver- version and allow more creativity in my life. But then in basically 2017, my daughter came out as trans when she was 13 and uh, my middle child, and I had no inkling before that, that, you know, there was just any possibility that she, that she was trans. And it, w- it was just like the rug was pulled out from under my feet. And I was just so, just like shocked, devastated. You know, I had sort of created what I thought was the perfect family. And, it, and then it was suddenly like, boom, that's, that's, that's gone. And of course, that's not how I feel now, but that was how I felt when she first came out. And and that was how I felt because I didn't think she had any signs of being trans. So I was, you know, one, I was completely blindsided by that. I had a lot of fear about, I didn't even know if I should believe her or not. I had a lot of fear about if this is true, what is her future going to be like? Mm -hmm. Um, I had a lot of questions about my own identity. What does this mean about my identity as a mother, if I don't know my own something so fundamental about my own child, then all I've ever wanted to be is a good mom. And here's this thing I don't know, didn't know about my child. So what kind of mother have I been? What kind of pediatrician am I? You know, I'm, this is supposed to be part of my specialty. And yet I had no clue about my child. So sort of everything got questioned. And so I was in a really bad place for, for quite a few months when this happened. And then eventually went through a six to nine month period of like initially denial and anger, then grief, and then moving, you know, towards acceptance, just like you do, you know, any, any other time you're faced with uh, an unexpected challenge or
0: like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there and and first of all, for everyone listening right now uh you know obviously you can find the entire story in in uh dr hassuri's book found in transition and I highly recommend it because it's riveting it really is uh it's so powerful um but i want to talk real quick because you know you said that one of the things that came up for you was about her future right mm-hmm. and and you worry because as as a dad i I, I get it to me I know that I have no idea how I would be in in your position or how how I would react. All I know is that I love my child and I want what's best for him. And that's all I know. And I know that you feel the same way, obviously. And so when you look at it, you're going, you're not going, I, I don't love my child any less. You're you're having these fear thoughts, I, I, I assume, mm-hmm. of them fitting in, of how are people gonna treat her? What's her life gonna be like, how can I how can I fix it as as a parent, right? And sometimes it's the hardest lesson I think we have to learn is about, is, is, is that we, we can't fix everything. We have to allow everyone to walk their own path and, and find their own journey. And I I can't imagine what it's like for someone to all of a sudden or all along realize, oh my God, I'm living in the wrong body. Oh my God, I'm not living my truth. I don't know what that feels like, but all I can imagine is, is how, how terrifying and lonely that must feel. When you feel like you have to keep that to yourself, talk to me a little bit about because you know you mentioned that you know you questioned your identity as a mom and you know look our k- kids are are brilliant at hiding things we they have stuff they can hide things from us all day long sometimes they think they can hide things from us and they're yeah. not really doing a good job at it at all but oftentimes they're really able to hide the stuff that's really going on deep down at the core you have to dig and pay attention if you're not if you're not paying attention it's just going to slip right past you so tell me how did you how did you come through that uh, identity crisis for yourself and then mitigate that with, you know, going, okay, you know what? Her future's her future. It's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to be there for her.
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, a couple of things. One, you called me Dr. Historic, but call me, me (laughs) sorry. So I, so one of the things I think is, and this is part of why I wanted to write, uh, write the book is you said, you know, sometimes you've been hiding who you are for, for so long. And she actually wasn't, I don't think she was hiding who she was. I don't, she, she says, so she came out at 13 and a half and she said that she didn't start to question her gender identity really until about maybe you know, six to nine months before she came out to, to us. Oh, wow. um, so it wasn't that she always knew and, and hid it from us. It was that she really didn't know until she started pe- until she started puberty and her body started changing. And that's when things started to not feel right. Part of why I hadn't believed her is that a lot of what's in the media, uh, you know, and the perception that a lot of people have, like, you know, sounds like maybe you, you know, maybe you have, or, you know, is we see in the media is that people who are trans have known since they were three or four, and some have declared it when they're three or four, when they're parents, and some have hit it until their young adulthood and some have hit it until forever or until they're 50 or 60. And after she came came out and once we got past denial and started taking group therapists and reading and learning, I found out that not every person knows when they're young. And that potentially up to 50% or more don't really know until they start puberty or even later. So that was part of the problem. And so I sort of wanted to have more stories out there that tell a different narrative. Because I thought that, you know, if I had heard that there are cases where you don't know when you're young, then maybe when she first told us, I wouldn't have been as shocked or questioned myself as a mother, you know, as much and would have, you know, would have listened to her and, and believed her. Yeah, more. And so that doesn't mean that she hasn't always been trans, but we're, you know, I'm not really sure, you know what it means. It's possible that she just, that sometimes you suppress something so much that you don't know it. and And it's possible that her body felt fine until she started going through puberty and then it didn't feel right. But so I think that is one thing. I think the other thing about the identity, you, another thing that was hard for me is when you grew up sort of in, as an outsider yourself, the last thing you want is for your child to be an outsider. And so I had this idea that I would create this family and give my kids everything you know, <laughs> put them in the best circumstance and, and they wouldn't have to endorse some of the hard things, you know, that, that I did. And then, and then obviously it was like, oh, okay, now you have a, you know, child who's, you know, trans and um, that, you know, at this time, it, that's one of the groups that's being attacked you know, the most, um, particularly by the current administration. So yeah. that was part of it. And, and then, you know, that, At some point I had to learn that this was not about me and my identity. It wasn't about me as a mother. It wasn't about me as a pediatrician. It wasn't about me still being stuck in fifth grade, which there was a part of me that was still stuck in fifth grade. It was about, okay, like now actually I'm going to have to, you know, in my mid forties step up and figure out what it actually means to be a mother. Really. And, and listen to her and stop making it so much about me <laughs> and, and really listen to her.
0: Of course. No, that's, I mean, that's, I mean, first of all, that's wonderful being able to step outside of yourself and really find out and figure out what your child needs. I mean, I, I, I wish all parents could do that. Now I know inevitably there are listeners who are going, you're hearing all about this trend stuff in the, and I don't, I don't, I'm not using that as a derogatory. I'm just saying, people will say, you know, you're hearing more and more about it. And, all this craziness and what's going on in our world. And, and I just want to put this out there. And, and as a doctor, you might have some insight into this as well. But from everything that I've read, homosexuality, transgender, all that has, has been part of our population, part of our humanity, part of our species for as long as time existed, for as long as we've been around, that's been there. If you look into other species of animals, you're going to find the same kind of makeup. I mean, maybe not, you know, transgenderism, because I don't think animals think that way. But, you know, with respect to people, it's been like that forever. If you go far enough back in Native American culture, there were like 12 genders, I think I, I might be wrong. It might be six or something like yeah. that. But the, but the point is, is that this isn't something that's new. What's going on right now is that there is enough support and enough of a rise in consciousness where people can actually accept other people. And again, it's nowhere near where it needs to be. And it's not enough. But there, th- this has always been part of our population. Furthermore, and I don't know if you're aware of this specific study, and I'm, I'm unfortunately, I can't remember where I read this, but I know that there was a study done, hopefully you're familiar with it, but they actually analyzed the brains of, of trans people versus, so like a trans female versus a, you know, cisgender born female, and the brains were the same Mm -hmm. versus a male to a trans male who was, you know, born, you know, showing female, but male transgender, the brains were the same. So it's a biological thing where your, your brain is presenting as one gender mm-hmm. or sex or whatever. And, and, but your body is presenting in a different way. Have you, did, have you heard of that? Yes,
1: that? I have, yes, I have. I think there's multiple sh- studies that, that show that, that, you know, and, and basically gender is in your brain. And so, you know, whether you're trans or a trans or cis female or a trans or cis male, you you know, your brain matches your gender, you know, the gender. So, yes.
0: Exactly. And so, and so sometimes it doesn't match up. And so that's, that's kind of, that's, that's what people are dealing with on. So I just, this is, this is obviously probably not for you. This is, I I want my listeners to understand, you know, where this is coming from, because as human beings who are trying to evolve and to become the best version of ourselves, part of that is about acceptance. And it's, it's about treating everyone as, as the, the divine consciousness that we all truly are, you know, at the end of the day, it's about kindness, kindness first. That's, I mean, that's, that's my motto. You know, I, I look at, you know, I I've been personally growing up. I I've been chastised for so many different things because I'm sensitive because I was a pretty boy because of whatever, whatever reasons it was, you know, I had, I, and I've talked about this on the show. There was, there was a boy in school when I was growing up who would basically terrorize me and call me gay all the time. And I was like, First of all, I don't see why that's a problem. But second of all, I'm not. And third of all, why are you doing this to me? And he later came out and he's gay. <laughs> and so, you know, at the end of the day, all of it is a lot of the times we're, we're just projecting our fears onto others. And, yeah. and, I, and I think that I think it's, it's important to have these conversations surrounding what's going on in, in, in life, because at the end of the day, it's always been there. And, and we all have to be accepting of each other. And unless it's affecting you specifically, you shouldn't even have an opinion, but you know, that's, I mean, that's, that's my personal outlook on it. You know what I mean? Like, unless you fall in love with someone who's transgender and they don't tell you at the beginning, and maybe there's, maybe there's something that we can unpack there with a therapist, but otherwise you should not have an opinion on it. We should all be accepting of each other. Why do you think that's so hard for people to swallow?
1: I- I think right now people sort of what I hear some people are worried that just like people would be worried that gay parents raising a child there's going to be more you know they could make the child gay or that if their child you know hangs out with a child who's gay then maybe their child will become gay or you know I don't know why there there's some of this fear so I think people are worried that oh there's more trans people coming out. So it must be, you know, a trend. And so if before in a high school, there were two trans kids, and now there's 10 trans kids in a high school, then is this just a fad and, you know, want to make their children are going to want to be trans or something like that. And, I mean, it's really, I think it's mostly because there just isn't enough exposure and not knowledge about this. Nobody can make anybody trans nobody can make anybody gay. I mean you know we all know that it's just that we now have more information we have more people out and living their lives which empowers other people you know to be out and live their lives and be their authentic selves. That's all that's happening is that people who were either were closeted or were suppressing what was there all along and not even aware of it are starting to become aware of it because they have more exposure, and they see more people living their authentic lives. So I think at the other, you know, with trans specifically, I think there, the media representation of trans people until just a couple of years ago has been so terrible mm-hmm. that people are, have a lot of preconceived. Notions and prejudices against trans people, and that's just starting to change in the last couple of years. I think there's a was a documentary called Disclosure just recently by Laverne Cox, which uh, shows you how how poorly trans people have been represented in in media uh, for the last thirty years, and so. You realize you've been bombarded with these images without even necessarily knowing that you have been and how much that affects you and now we're starting to have some positive trans representation you know whether it's like a TV show that just happens to have a trans character or I just read an article I think it was in l a Times today about a video game that has like a trans you know character, and this is just to to just have it's a good thing, you know, it's to have representation, it's to expose people and, and, and people's natural reaction is why are trans people suddenly everywhere? And it's like, no, they aren't suddenly everywhere. They were always either hidden or portrayed in a negative way with their only roles in a film being, you know, a sex worker or something that's generally considered negative. And now you're actually having some positive trans representation. And I don't know why that feels threatening.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think at the end of the day for a lot of people, it's about perception and it's something that I've, I've struggled with personally in the past, because if you look at the typical male person, like in the U S like what you're supposed to be as a man, Mm -hmm. I think I check off maybe two out of the 20 boxes because I just I'm I'm sensitive. I talk about my feelings. I am happy to cry at something if it makes me feel sad. Right there, those are three things that you know men aren't supposed to do. We're not supposed to be into fashion. We're not supposed to be into grooming ourselves, which, by the way, is ridiculous. But that's a whole other set of issues. You know yeah. what I mean? And so, I think it's this. It's this again. And I, I think you really hit the nail on the head with respect to how everything is portrayed in the media. When you go to a movie and you see the the leading male who's the hero of the movie. Who is basically chewing on nails, like literal metal nails, because he's so tough? You right. know, you think that that's what you need to be like to be a guy, and and it's simply not true. Right. It's it's simply it's false, and it's it's detrimental. That poor man is so repressed that you know he's having to chew on nails. I mean, think about that for half a second. It's 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 insane, and I, I think that if people could get past their predisposed notions of what things should be and go, Hey, you know what, this is what it is. Let me just accept it for what it is. I think we would have a lot more harmony and peace in the world. I want to circle back on, on something that you had said earlier, because you, you had mentioned that throughout your life, you were checking off the boxes and you were just kind of making things done again with this preconceived notion of this is what I want to do. I want to live in LA. I want to, you know, go here. I want to do this check, 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 check. And then you realized, Oh no, I need to, I need to explore my, my, my creative side. And and I, you know, you got into yoga and and I think you said running as well. And then the writing, of course, which has, has spawned the book. Now, when we talk about people who are going through the preconceived notions of, you know, got to check off all the boxes, but you're not actually stopping to live. What was the moment that made you go, whoa, whoa, whoa I need to slow down and, and, and really discover my, my creative side.
1: I think my youngest was around four years old. And I, so I had a nine and seven and four year old. And I, one day I just looked in the mirror and I couldn't see myself. I just, it's like, I had, I had everything and I couldn't see myself. And so that's when I just slowly started to do things to try to take care of myself. And so the way it started is I, I was actually at a birthday party, you know, took one of my kids to a birthday party. It was actually Ava, my my middle one was sitting next to another mom. And she was like, Oh, I just ran a half marathon. And I just looked at her. And I was, you know, and I was like, she just ran a half marathon. Like, I can't even run a mile. But why can't I run a half marathon? We look the same. You know, I mean, it was just like something. And so I went home, it was March of 2012. I mean, I went home, it was March of 2012 I looked up half marathons I found one that was November and I'm like okay March to November I'm going to run a half I'm going to I signed up and I said I'm going to run a half marathon in November and I started training I absolutely hated it initially and then it got to the point where once uh, you know I kind of started to get used to it while I was running all these like words and thoughts and ideas would come in my head and I would come home and I would like write down words. <laughs> and then I started blogging a little bit and that's sort of how it all started. And really most of what I write has, I've written it on my head when I'm running. And then once I started running, I started doing a little bit of yoga to stretch and balance out the, uh, the running And so then the yoga and the running became sort of a good balance for each other. And I'm still much more of a runner than, you know, I'll do yoga. There was a point where I was doing it three, four times a week. Now it's, you know, usually once a week. Sort of the the yoga, the running and the writing all sort of came together. But it really started just, you know, one day I just looked in the mirror and I just, I couldn't see myself. and And at the same time, I felt like I was drowning and like I couldn't, breathe and I couldn't
0: do it anymore. And so many people, so many people get to that point and they, they literally just go uh, and they give up and they go for the beer or whatever it is, but you chose to take a positive step in the right direction. Why do you think you were able to go in that? Would you credit your, your childhood and your upbringing and going, you know what, I don't like something. I'm going to do something about it. Is that, is that kind of where that comes from?
1: You know, it's interesting. I think I mean, I think things just, sometimes things just happen, but I I went to that birthday party and I sat next to that other mom and I'm the, I'm now I'm actually gotten better. I don't think it was a good thing. I was, I'm the kind of person who says like, if, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm just going to do it. And I think at that time with that mentality, I looked at her and I said, I'm going to run a half marathon. And I went and I signed up and I announced it on Facebook and therefore I was, I felt like I was stuck and I had to do it. Now I don't think that's a good, you know, like the, the new me, you know, feels comfortable to say, I'm gonna do something and not follow through and realize that it's okay sometimes to not follow through. But I sort of took that step still being the old me who felt like she needs to follow through on everything that she announces she's you know, gonna do. And I had announced it on Facebook, so it has to happen. <laughs> So, and I, so I think, and because i would made this announcement and I got a friend to join me, it sort of forced me through the first three to four miserable months where I may have, if I had not announced it, maybe I would have quit. I, you know, I don't know, but I think for me running ended up being extremely therapeutic. I just, it was like the right thing that happened at the right time. I, I really credit a lot in my life. Um, you know running with a lot of things in my life and I'm not I don't run fast I don't you know I'm not you know I'm just your very average to below average (laughs) you know I run distance but I mean I'm not you know I I, you know you might look at me and think I'm jogging but I I am running (laughs) so but I you know changed everything for me (laughs)
0: Movement, movement is movement, and I, I always say because you know I'm I'm very much into fitness and and I I, I work out as often as I possibly can. But pre COVID, it was five days a week. Now it's it's quite a bit less than that, unfortunately. But at the end of the day, I've always said you know you don't have to be doing what I do in order to be fit. I, I always say just do something, move, get out there, go for a walk. I don't care whatever it is. Our bodies crave movement, and so. That helps, you know, get the mind flowing. It helps. It helps do so many things for us. And I think that, you know, when you're stagnant, just getting out there and going for a walk or going for a run, you may hate yourself in the in the very, very beginning of it. But then, as it goes, you're going to be like, actually, this isn't bad. And then, and then by the end, you feel amazing. So I, I think that's just wonderful that you did that. What's lighting you up right now? I know, obviously, the book is 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 coming out in, in, this month, right? And, and I believe it's in a week or so. The book
1: comes out September eighth. Yes. Is exactly.
0: A, yeah. So six days. Six days. Six as days. as we're recording, we're recording yeah. now. This is, gonna,
1: this is recording. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, right now. I mean, obviously, I'm super excited about the book. I'm excited to write more. I have. I've always, you know, I've done a little bit of writing before, and it, it's always been sort of personal essay type writing, and then the memoir. So I'm thinking about taking a class in fiction writing mm-hmm. and just exploring that. Just just to do something different and stretch my writing muscles and my, you know, and my brain. I think my children are all, despite pandemic, doing as well as they can. And so that obviously makes me really happy. I'm involved with a fantastic community of other families who have transgender kids and young adults, and very involved in that organization. That brings me a lot of personal fulfillment. Because, you know, when I first went to this support group that I go to, it's called Transforming Family in in Los Angeles. You know, I arrived there a complete mess and sat and cried through my entire first meeting. And now I'm in, you know, such a different place and able to help other families who are kind of where I was a, a few years ago. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously, there, right now, there, there's a lot of things that are negative, just what's going on globally with the pandemic, politically with the U.S., you know, division in the U.S. is really sad to see. So I just try to, you know, try my best to focus on, on the positive that um, is going on around me. And I, I would say the one thing about this whole experience with my daughter you know when she first came out i thought that this was the worst thing that could possibly happen to me this has been probably the experience that has led to the most personal growth for me in my life you know what i thought was the worst thing has brought incredible people into my life it's led to so much personal growth i'm not i'm not grateful for having i mean i'm grateful for all my children i I don't know how to word it because I'm not grateful for having a, you know, a trans daughter. I mean, I I'm grateful just for having my daughter and for everything that she's taught me. Yeah, you know, it, for her, for for everyone, you know, it would be easier to be cisgender than to be trans. You know, I'm grateful that our family has learned so much from this and I I don't worry anymore that her life is in any way going to be limited by this. I mean, that was my fear. That her life would be limited. I just I don't live in fear for her anymore. Maybe a little bit fear for safety sometimes with, you know, certain things, obviously, but but in general, not not the not the not the way I did
0: before. You know, there's first of all, that that's beautiful. And there is there is something that I, I want to touch on that you mentioned, which is, you know, that what you thought was the worst thing that could have ever happened to you turned out to be the thing that helped you grow the most. Mm-hmm. And that's a concept I think that comes around for so many people, everything that you're going through right now. And I think this is the one thing that I want my listeners to take away from today is no matter what you're going through, even if you think it's the end of the world, if you think it's the worst possible thing and it's, it's literally things could never get worse than what they are right now. A, I promise you they can. So stop saying that. Yeah. And B, you can really use this right now as a way to grow spiritually, emotionally, mentally and as a human being in general. I really truly believe that every experience that we have comes to us in order for us to grow and evolve and change and become the best version of ourselves. And and Paria, you've 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 definitely demonstrated that. You talked a bit about having, you know, being a pediatrician, having children, and the pandemic and, and how that's all working out. I would be remiss if I didn't ask about this because a, I'm a dad B I know there's a lot of people out there who do have kids who are having a really rough time because the kids are home because maybe they're back at school. If you're listening in Canada right now or other, other parts of the world where your kids are actually going back to school. And I, and I guess this is kind of more like a reassuring thing from a pediatric perspective, you know, because I I have an eight year old son. He's a wonderful, wonderful child. He is on in, a, in front of a screen more than we care to have him in front of a screen at the moment, but there's no alternative at the moment. Do you see, like, and, and I know we may be in uncharted territory here because we've never had a pandemic in our lifetime. We've never had technology like this in our lifetime. But do you think there's going to be lasting effects from the fact that our kids are all now glued to screens all day? Or do you think that they're going to be able to bounce back and come into a normal place once this is all over? I, I, I have to ask.
1: I mean... Uh... Um, This is just my, you know, kind of, I think kids can bounce back depending on how long this, you know, this takes. I think if kids have to do a semester or potentially even a year of online, I mean, there's no question that online learning is not going to, is not the same as in classroom screen Mm -hmm. learning, you know, so can you fall, you know, so can you, We bounce back from a semester or a year of not learning as well and not learning the same and catching up. Hopefully, yes. If it goes on longer than a year, I I don't think so. Um, You know, you it almost might be worth repeating a year of school. Mm -hmm. Everybody repeat a year of school and graduate one year. Later, who you know who cares? You know, right. In contrast to my old mentality of like rush, 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 and like you know get everything you know done. I mean, I think, but hopefully, hopefully, it will be a year at the most, if not, you know, a semester or a semester and a half. With some, you know, any sort of hybrid would be better than than this all um, on, online learning.
0: It, um, it is really yeah. rough. <laughs> I th-
1: I pers- I think if if by any chance it goes on. Longer than a year, and even if it goes up a semester in a semester and a half, for a lot of kids, it might be beneficial to have them repeat the year. And there's no, you know, shame in that or anything wrong with that.
0: And in what that about aspect. the psychological effects? You know, I I, I look at. I look at what I'm noticing in our own life and, you know, tempers are shorter and, and, you know, uh, moods are crankier from time to time. And it's, I I, I guess, what kind of advice would you give to the parents out there who are literally at their wits end, not knowing what to do? I mean, I always talk about on the show how meditation being the cornerstone of, 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 our life and how it enhances literally everything because it gives you the ability to, allow the stimulus to happen and not snap respond. You're kind of able to sort of see it out here instead of like right in your face. What kind of advice would you give to the parents who are literally just over their heads right now, because they're trying to work from home. The kids are trying to be in school at home. It's just, everyone's always together. There's really nowhere to go. And again, this is more applicable to the U.S. I think at the moment, but what would you tell the parents out there who are, who are losing it a little bit?
1: Uh, I think it's, It's really hard when you, especially when you have young kids and you're working from home. And I think self-care, even 5, 10, or 15 minutes of self-care can make a huge difference. A lot of people don't feel like they have time for 5, 10, 15 minutes of self-care. And I would say that oftentimes the only way to squeeze in 15 minutes of self-care is to lose 15 minutes of sleep. Yeah. And I do. And I think that sometimes losing 15 minutes of, you know, sleep or half an hour of sleep, you know, to losing half an hour of sleep to put in 15 minutes of self-care can really make a difference. Uh, Because really, that's probably, you know, it's like, okay, you get up at uh, five, you're going to have to get up at 430. That doesn't, you know, people don't want to hear that. (laughs) Um, But (laughs) I, I do think I really do believe self care makes a huge difference and it and it and it doesn't need to be a long time and it you know it can be whatever's going to work for you whether it's meditation or yoga or running or journaling or baking by yourself in the kitchen at 4 a.m. or whatever your version of self care is to clear your mind so that you can kind of look at your children differently and, you know, their demands. And uh, (laughs) yeah, I
0: think that's, I think that's really good advice. I mean, for me personally, it's, it's about meditating first and foremost, first thing in the morning, last thing at night. And, and I do, I do want to add one thing as a very involved dad. I mean, I've had the good fortune of being able to be around for most of Jacob's life, but I want to say this to parents out there. Remember, it's a team effort. Remember first and foremost, that you're a team. And sometimes one teammate needs a break. Sometimes one person needs, they just need it. And you'll be able to, if you're conscious enough, you'll be able to tell when they're reaching their wits end and try to, try to do that for each other. That's, I mean, that's, that's how I look at it from a relationship perspective. You know, you got to come at this as a, as a team and as a group effort, I want to say right now, Haria's book "Found in Transition: A Mother's Evolution During Her Child's Gender Change" is is available now. It's, it's on Amazon, I'm assuming, as well as as out I'm by New, New World Library. It's
1: found everywhere.
0: <laughs> yes. Any anywhere you can buy the book. I uh, truth be told, have I'm still reading it. I just received a copy uh, like a few days ago, and it's it's so wonderful. Please go ahead and pick up a copy. It's amazing. Haria, thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Enhanced Living Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, feel free to reach me directly at enhancedliving.net. Thanks for listening.